0: Welcome back to Hot Off The Pod. I'm your co-host Harper Lambert.
1: And I'm Melanie Zement. And today we're going to be talking about a new state audit released at the end of September that looked at unfair admission practices across the UC system in the wake of the Varsity Blues scandal that made national news last year. Things are hitting a little closer to home as the audit has revealed that UCSB and more specifically UCSB Athletics were more involved in this scandal than we originally knew.
0: For today's podcast, we have a very special guest sitting down with us. For our first ever Zoom recording session. He is the former Nexus sports editor and editor in chief from 2018 to 2019. He worked at the Santa Barbara News Press for whom he wrote this article and now is a tech editor at the Pacific Coast Business Times. This is Jorge Mercado, affectionately known around the office as Merc. I don't think I've ever called you by your full name.
1: I didn't even know your name was Jorge until just now.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, my- most people call me George, but it's okay. I like Jorge, it is my original name. But thank you guys so much. I'm really happy to be here. Um, and to talk about this. So thank you.
0: Thanks for coming. So I feel like UCSB is always riding the coattails of bigger scandals. <laughs> and a recent development following last year's admissions varsity blues scandal, which we're going to get into in a couple minutes, hit home, as Melanie said but it seems to have mostly gone unnoticed by the public. So there was a state audit and it was conducted in the wake of the scandal on September 22nd. They released the results and you wrote an article about it. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah,
2: The audit took a look at the undergraduate admissions practices that the UC does here. And so they looked at all nine schools across the UC and just to look at inequalities of how they're letting their students in, whether it be GPAs or, you know, all those things that go into admissions. What they found was that 64 students between 2013 and 2019 were actually admitted unfairly, whether it be because their family were donors or they got special treatment because their family just had the right connections. Those 64 students were admitted unfairly, 42 of which were at UC Berkeley, and to your point, four were here at UCSB.
0: What do we know about the four students who enrolled as athletes at
2: UCSB? So actually only one of them was registered as a student athlete. The other three were just people that got in based on who they knew, but they weren't like coming in as a student athlete. That story is a little bit weird because it involved the student's dad and two coaches from two separate teams. So the way it worked is that the dad reached out to coach one, let's say, and he said, can you help me get my, student, my son or daughter in? Coach one couldn't do that for whatever reason. So they got another coach involved to see if they can help too. Now, keep in mind that at the time, the dad actually donated to both these coaches, okay? Or both their programs, I should say. So it's a little bit iffy when you're talking about like unfair practice because the coaches are directly benefiting from this guy. The dad then went to coach two and they basically all worked together. They were going through emails. There's a bunch of emails that weren't released to the public, but they were talked about in the audit. And they were basically like trying to figure out a way to get the student in. So eventually coach two... He goes to UCSB and says, I want this student admitted as a student athlete for my team. UCSB, to their credit, actually called it out and they said, this is kind of weird. Why? And so what they then did, the two coaches and the dad, they asked the dad to go to the student's high school coach and ask for a letter of recommendation. The high school coach, for whatever reason, wasn't really willing to do that eventually he did do it but the letter that was given to the university of santa barbara it actually didn't talk about the student as an athlete at all it just talked about his personality it said he was a good kid he deserved to be in blah blah blah. but it didn't actually say anything about his athletic ability which is it's really weird because why would you want to let this student in if he isn't a very good athlete like at least for that reason if he can get in off his own merit that's fine but if you're trying to admit him as a student athlete that's just weird Eventually, UCSB, I guess, didn't thoroughly verify that letter. They just let it go after that, and so they let the student in. And the audit found that the student athlete or the student never actually participated with the team at any point. Realistically, he just got in unfairly. I mean, he was supposed to come in as a student athlete. He did not at all. Never once practiced, never once played, never once even probably attended a practice.
1: So we're going to take a second just to zoom back and talk a bit about the Varsity Blues scandal, because um, this audit was obviously prompted by it. So the first investigation, which was internally called Operation Varsity Blues, was the largest FBI probe into the college admissions process that has ever been rolled out. The probe showed that parents were paying for their kids to have guaranteed spots at some of the top universities across the country, such as Stanford, Yale, and USC, but also at public universities, like you've said. When the story first broke, what did we know about the UC's involvement?
2: Well, funny enough, UCLA actually got caught up in that scandal, Um, their men's soccer program specifically. I believe their head soccer coach, Jorge Salcedo, he tried to get two students in as athletes. And I believe he got paid 200000 for that to try to get those two kids in as athletes on his men's soccer team. What happened was only one got in, but that student was eventually caught up in this whole scandal. And Jorge Salcedo is now being, um, he was charged with bribery months ago when the whole scandal broke. I don't really know the status of it. I know that he pled not guilty, but you know, that was a serious thing that happened at UCLA and it forced them to take a look at their admissions practices. I mean, When you're letting in students on your team in exchange for money, keep in mind that this money wasn't going to the program. This was actually benefiting him himself, $200,000. That's a lot of money. It's just not fair when we're talking about students now that aren't getting into universities across the state, and these students have 4.0 GPAs, they have great SAT scores, and they can't get in for whatever reason. So when we're just letting in kids just because they have a little bit of benefit from money or power, any of these things, it undermines the entire system. Like for me, I went to UC at Santa Barbara and it was the time of my life. And I didn't have the greatest GPA, the greatest SAT, but I knew I got in off my own merit. I knew that I didn't pay my way in and I didn't take a seat away from someone else. I think that's the most important thing when we're talking about students that come from different backgrounds and they're trying to change their life. And then kids that are born into power, born into money, taking away those seats from them. It's just wrong. I think that's the biggest problem with this.
0: I want to go back to something that you mentioned, which is that the university employees, the coaches, were the ones who were directly benefiting from these bribes. And I thought it was interesting because in the Varsity Blues scandal, federal prosecutors didn't charge any universities or students in the indictment. And instead, they blamed parents for taking advantage of what they saw as a weak system. But in terms of sports and this audit specifically, that doesn't necessarily seem to be true. So how have schools and university staff taken advantage of a system that clearly isn't really working to the
2: merit of other students? So if we actually take a look at the UCSB example where the high school coach gave a letter, right? And he doesn't actually talk about any of the athletics. You know, there's supposed to be an independent committee at these schools that check every student athlete that gets in. They need to meet specific barriers, whether it be if you're a runner, you need to hit specific times to be a division one athlete. That's just the life. You have to be good enough to be a division one athlete. And so what was happening at a lot of these schools is they weren't verifying all student athletes. The state audit actually reported that at a lot of these schools, only 14 to 32 percent of all student athletes were like verified. That's a really low number when you consider how many programs there are, for example, at UCSB, I mean, I think you have about 15. So That's a lot of student athletes. You need to be able to check on all of them or else that's where these things slip under the crack.
0: So because you have a background in sports and sports writing, I thought you could help out with this part. You know, the audit has a lot of statistics and a lot of sort of background information about how all of this was orchestrated. I know we don't know the identities of the people who were involved in this or what sports they played necessarily, but can you walk us through what this might have looked like on a UCSB team?
2: Yeah. Well, so recruiting, you know, it works. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, once a coach is interested in an athlete, they'll usually email them, text them, call them, and it'll be a back and forth for a few weeks. If there's enough interest from both sides, they'll invite them over for a visit. You know, they'll let them see the campus, they'll let them hang out with the team. They'll try to convince them to come to UC Santa Barbara. I mean, UC Santa Barbara is a beautiful school. It's by the beach. It has fantastic academics. Like there's a reason student athletes wanna come here. Usually that's what coaches will sell. Now, most of the coaches here have a limited number of scholarships, but they do have them nonetheless. So they'll offer them if the player is good enough. Now where this gets tricky is that that's all you can ever offer, right? The NCAA is very strict about not being able to offer anything else. You can't offer extra housing or permanent housing for a family. You can't offer a job. You can't offer anything that the student athlete could benefit from that a student cannot. So realistically, there is no like wiggle room, right? Like there shouldn't be any problem in understanding the rules that you can only offer a scholarship. That's the most key point here. So when you have a situation like this, where, You have two coaches and a dad working together to get this one athlete in. And there's money involved because this dad is a donor. That's already an empower balance. Like that's already messing up the scales. That really was the biggest problem. You know, it's not so much that this kid was recruited. It's just that they were finding any way to get him in.
0: In zeroing on sports teams at UCSB specifically, how might have admitting these non-athletes impacted the actual performance of sports teams here between 2013 and 2019 when all this was happening, if at all, because you did say that there was no evidence that some of them had ever played?
2: You know, it's funny. I would say that it doesn't really affect the teams at all, right? You know, for example, this student, he was never on the team, so he never talked to anyone. He never played a game. He never messed anything up or did anything good. So realistically, this actually doesn't affect the athletics program at all. I think what it does though, is it undermines the school. It's, that's really the key thing is like when you're letting a student in that he didn't get in off his own merit and I can't, I don't have his application or her application in front of me, but they didn't get in for whatever reason. And so when they're trying to wiggle their way into the school, it just is wrong. You know, it's funny that in 2019, The NCAA actually released a report citing that the track and field team and the men's water polo team, they both got in trouble with the NCAA. The track and field team, they were in trouble. Had nothing to do with like benefiting players. It was more like they were giving extra practice that you're not supposed to do. But for the men's water polo, they're very serious that the coach had offered one of the athletes on the team a job and kind of given him like extra hours that he didn't work to give him money. So these things happen, even at UC Santa Barbara. However, this particular case isn't really like those. Um, I would say it didn't really play a role in the athletics program themselves.
0: And the other side of that is the money, right? So where, as far as you know, did that money go? Did any of it go to the school or was it kept to individuals?
2: You know, I don't know. But what I would say to that is that UC Santa Barbara They're not a big athletic program, right? We're not UCLA where they pull in tons of revenue from like a football team. The athletic programs here at UCSB, they rely on donors. And so to me, this instance is just an example of two coaches covering their own ass, so to speak. Like they need that money. They're relying on that money because they're not going to get it from the university. Chancellor Yang, he does put money towards athletics. Like we do have money there, but it's like the bare minimum to make sure that everything's running. For example, the the men's basketball team, they just got that big scoreboard that we all enjoy. But that was through a donor. That wasn't the school paying for it. The baseball team just got lights. That was through a donor. The school's not paying for that. The men's soccer team got new lights. They got a bunch of stadium upgrades through donors because they were going to be the host of the NCAA Men's College Cup. And even the tennis team, the men's tennis team, they're getting a brand new facility on campus. It's going to be beautiful, again, through a donor. So that's where I think the money comes into play. Like, I don't know where the money went, but if I had to make an educated guess, this was a situation where they wanted to make sure the money kept coming to these programs. You can't lose donors like this, like not at UC Santa Barbara. There's a lot of money here, but I don't know how many people are going to be willing to donate to a men's basketball team to a women's tennis team to a softball team. So you need to make sure you keep those donors. And I think that was the biggest point with this is that you have two coaches just wanting to keep this parent happy, their kid happy.
1: Turning to talking a little bit more about the audit and then the response to the audit, it omits a direct connection to enrollment practices in the UC to those of the varsity blue scandal in 2019. So I guess what are the differences and is this actually true that they're not connected?
2: I would say that they're not connected because you know, at UCLA, for example, the practices that UCLA currently has, those were implemented after the varsity blue scandal, right? So I would say that they aren't really correlated. Like, they could have a little bit of correlation, but I would say that they're not at all the same thing. I think the UC system just wanted to take accountability of its own practices after the Varsity Blues, and especially after one UC was caught up in the system. We saw that UC Berkeley actually was one of the biggest aggressors. I mean, 42 of the 64 total students that we're talking about here were at UC Berkeley. And of the 22 total athletes, the students that were admitted as athletes, 13 of those were at UC Berkeley. So there is a problem here and it's good that they are noticing it and trying to rectify it. But I would say that the two are a little bit, they don't correlate.
1: Your article mentions that when UCLA was caught up in the scandal, there were changes implemented. Can you talk about what these specific changes were?
2: Yeah. So UCLA actually decided to require checks of all its student athletes. So The report found that it had done background checks on 98% of them. That's a really high number compared to 14 to 32%. That's a bigger increase. Like, that's what they are trying to do now. And to UC Santa Barbara's credit, they're also following UCLA's plan of verifying or requiring verifications of all student-athletes.
1: Your article also says that despite these safeguards, none of the campuses have fully addressed gaps in their athletic admissions processes. So what are these gaps specifically?
2: The biggest one goes back to donations, right? Like you have these schools that are desperate to keep these donators. And so in a lot of these instances, what the state audit found was that these student athletes were admitted, right? And then shortly after, money was given to those programs. So that's the biggest thing that no school has addressed yet, is that they need to take a look at their donation practices, why they're being donated to at this specific time. And it gets a little tricky, right? Because if I'm donating money to like the Nexus per se, which I love, I don't really want to be questioned on it all that much. In fact, a bunch of questioning could lead me to pull my donation. I get why the UCs are kind of hesitant to just want to question every single thing about a donation, because then you get into a point where if that donation is taken off the table, you're going to have a lot of mad people. So it's very tricky. I do think that there's a middle ground here where you can take a look at just trends, right? Like if you're seeing that a school is letting in four student athletes that then don't even play on the team and there's a big donation, like you have to be able to draw that numbers. But are the UCs staffed enough to do that? You know, I think that's where the question is with that.
0: And when we're looking at the different scandals that took shape in 2019, it's not equal across all campuses. As you said, you know, UCLA and Berkeley were involved in that varsity blues scandal. And then in this audit, they only looked at those schools, UCSB and UC San Diego. And the audit actually points to the office of the president's lack of safeguards and just ability to enforce fair standards across all of the UCs. Then there was a response by Michael V. Drake, the new UC president, and he said they conducted an internal review separate from the audit, which is independent. What, if anything, do we know about this internal review?
2: I think that's a lot of fancy wording to be honest. Um, they haven't released anything, and um, <laughs> you know I think I think the u c is trying to cover themselves and try to say that they are looking at this problem that is serious. I mean, they do need to look at these admittance practices, but yeah, I would say as of right now, they haven't really and I believe actually the state audit responded to his response saying that while it's nice that he acknowledged it, he didn't really say anything of substance, and it's true. I mean, when you're talking about an internal investigation you want to see what you found and so they haven't released anything i think i think we'll have to keep waiting to see if the uc system is going to do anything but you know my hunch is that they will i mean these things just can't continue or else you're risking i mean just undermining the entire system like why would i want to go to uc santa barbara what, what's the difference of going there between a cal state especially if there's unfair practices involved
0: I think my favorite part of the audit was uh, in that public letter is when Elaine Howell, who conducted the investigation, she points out that the campuses ran their own audits in this internal review, which is like, that's not an investigation. That is say whatever you want and everyone will just take it as it is she does recommend a number of different practices to the office of the president. And that includes enforcing and creating these standards and really doing check-ins and monitoring the donation system that's set up. Is there any part of those recommendations that you see already being implemented or are we still sort of waiting to see what the UC does?
2: I think UCSB is already being proactive as is UCLA with their whole plan to verify all student athletes. I think that's important. If you're noticing that, for example, I think UC Santa Barbara, the average GPA of students admitted was like 4.1, 4.2, and your student athletes, it's like a 3.5, like there's an obvious gap there. So you need to make sure that that's already an inequality there. So that's a good reason to always have verifications on these student athletes. And I think the other one is just very obvious, but like, you need to keep an eye on if these athletes are actually staying on the team, right? (laughs) Like, you know, Division one sports is very tough, like playing at the highest level of college is very hard. And so a lot of students, you know, they're not they're not going to make it through four years. I mean, I know a lot of people in my classes that didn't even make it one year through their sport. Like it's hard and I get that. But there does need to be a process where you're asking these student athletes, hey, why did you decide not to follow through? Is it because, you know, you just want to focus on academics? Is it because you weren't having that much fun? they just need to verify that stuff and especially if the athlete was never enrolled on the team like that to me is the biggest indicator like how do you let that slip through right if a coach is saying hey i want this student athlete admitted on my team and then he never shows up on the roster like there has to be someone verifying that that just can't happen anywhere not just ucsb it can't happen at any level not at any community college not at any cal state not at any school in new york
0: You know, we often refer to education as, quote-unquote, the great equalizer. We say, to make a little sports pun here, that it levels the playing field. And that's especially true of higher education at public schools, which are supposed to be more financially accessible for a variety of families. And sports really occupy a special role in that because it gives students a chance to participate in school based on, you know, this ability, this passion of theirs that they've really been cultivating and working at their craft very hard in high school for a long time. This scandal and the accompanying audit really shows that what's going on is completely at odds with all of these notions of equality that the UCs are constantly talking about. So I just want to know, in your opinion, what does this whole thing say about the state of higher education to students and to other athletes?
2: It definitely makes me upset. I didn't grow up um, with the best socioeconomic background. I also didn't grow up the poorest, so I'm very thankful of where I grew up. But my dream was always to go to college, like that was my specific dream. And so to see that there's a system, and we always knew this, right? Like when I was a kid, we would make jokes about if you were rich, you can get in any college you want. But there's a difference when it's a joke and then you actually see it in front of your face, where you actually see 64 kids are getting in because their dad, their mom, their aunt, their grandma knew someone at the university. Like that is a bad feeling because you work your whole life to try to make it better. The idea of going to college is to have a better future, whether it be finding a better job, whether it be becoming a teacher, becoming a engineer. The whole point of going to college is to better your future. And so when you're going through a system that already feels like it benefits rich people, right? Like the SAT, for example. If you're a rich kid, you can afford the SAT prep classes. You can afford the books. You can afford to go to an instructor that'll tell you exactly how to get a, two, a 1,600, sorry. When I took it, it was up to 2,400.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're showing your age <laughs> there.
2: Yeah, I graduated in 2019, so I'm approaching uh. middle age here. <laughs> so there's a lot of benefits to being rich. And so when you're actually seeing it in front of your face, it's just a little bit demoralizing. And like I said, it undermines the system. Like I have a lot of pride in going to UCSB, but at the same time, it's like, if you're actively trying to play a role in... Not being fair, why would I have any pride in that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And as an athlete, why would you be motivated to pursue that path in college if it's already so hard and there's nothing guaranteeing that it isn't a rigged system?
2: And that's a great point. I mean, like if you're an athlete and you're getting scouted by UC Santa Barbara, most likely you know you're not going to play professionally, or if you're a track and field runner, you're not going to go to the Olympics. We do have a few of those athletes that make it to professionals, and that's fantastic. But the majority aren't. The majority want to come to UC Santa Barbara for its academics, for its lifestyle, right? And so if you're a good enough athlete, but you're not getting in because this other kid wants to take a spot on the team and maybe not even take that spot, like he might just not even show up, it does render all the work you're putting pointless, right? Like We preach in the United States that if you work hard, you're going to get somewhere. And like this shows the exact opposite. I'm not saying that the students that got in, these 64 students didn't work hard. Maybe they had good GPAs. Maybe they had good scores and they didn't get in for whatever reason. But that's the point. They didn't get in. Like if I didn't get into UC Santa Barbara, I wouldn't have gone to a university because I only applied to four UCs. That's all I could afford to apply to, okay? If I didn't get in UCSB, that was the only university in California that accepted me. So there was no plan B for me. I would have had to go to community college, which is acceptable, but I wanted to go to UCSB.
0: You couldn't have a building donated in your parents' name or anything like that.
2: Yeah, like hopefully that's the goal.
0: As like a second option, (laughs) yeah.
2: (laughs) That's the goal for sure. But, you know, that's the biggest problem with this is just it completely undermines the system and it just makes you feel bad to look at it right in front of your face that this is happening.
1: Right. So like you said, this is something that people, you know, joke about and we've all kind of understood that there's been – this inherent issue in admissions processes so i guess when this audit came out was it shocking to see that it was actually happening at our own university
2: it honestly was shocking that also one ucsb quote unquote student athlete was involved you know uc santa barbara like i said isn't the biggest athletics program and i don't think they ever pretend to be like they're competitive in everything and that's fantastic but I don't think they ever like, kid themselves of like, winning national championships, right? Like, the, we aren't the schools that are going to get caught up in these scandals where we're paying student-athletes to come here. So it's weird when you see it happen here. In terms of 64 kids receiving benefits, it's weird. Like, I, I feel like it's low, but at the same time, it's high. Like, I think it's low because a bunch of UCs have over, let's just say, 9,000. I think that's generous for all of them. So 64 out of that whole bunch, it does seem small, but at the same time, even one is kind of like, what are we doing? Right? Like, it shouldn't matter who you know or who your dad is, to be quite honest. It has no (laughs) reflection of you.
0: Yeah. And I just wanted to wrap up by taking a look at the bigger picture here. This scandal made national headlines was a huge deal a whole year ago. A lot has happened since then. A lot's happened in the last week. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, there's been a change in leadership at the UC, there's an election, there's a ton going on. So what I'm wondering is, what kind of change can we expect to come out of this audit? Or do you think it's really going to take public interest and outcry to move the needle forward on fixing these problems?
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think they'll definitely make changes. Now, how significant those changes are, we'll see in 10 years when they do another um, audit, right? Right. But they definitely will have to make changes. I mean, these are state schools. They do rely on funding from the state, right? So they need to do something. And even if it's the bare minimum, like I said, verification of all student athletes, that's already a big deal for that aspect of it. Now, let's focus on the other side of it, right? Let's focus on kids that aren't even trying to get into athletics. Let's just focus on kids that are trying to get into the school. That's a lot tougher, right? That's a much bigger pool of students that you're looking at. I mean, I think the obvious thing to do would be to look at the donations. I've already talked about how it's tricky, but that to me, and that's what the state auditor also said, as you pointed out, Ms. Howell. That needs to be the biggest thing. You need to look at the donations and you need to see when and why they're being donated. That's the only way that you'll actually fix this problem.
1: Well, we want to thank you for coming and talk to us and we miss yes. you in the no, office. It's my pleasure.
2: It's my pleasure. I love the Daily Nexus. I love that you guys have podcasts now, something that I was trying to do for a year. So I'm very happy.
0: <laughs> and, you know, when you make it big and make a ton of money, put that money back into the Nexus.
2: <laughs> you know, it's. Don't put it back into sports, put it all here. You, you know, it's so funny because I've always said that if I ever get money, like, let's just say <laughs> any amount. If I donate to UC Santa Barbara, I promise you it will be to the Nexus and I do not want to donate a penny to the to the university.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have this on record now, so we're we're holding well, you to perfect. this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys again so much. I Thanks so
0: it. much, Merk. Here's some other hot headlines from this week at the Daily Nexus.
1: Students weigh in on Props 16 and 22, which are on the ballot in California this election cycle. Make sure to mail in your ballots early. And if you're not already registered to vote, hop on it! California's deadline to register is Monday, October 19th.
0: Last Friday, the Nexus followed up on reporting that documented large groups of maskless partygoers in Isla Vista ignoring statewide health orders despite coronavirus case numbers hitting a record high in the U.S. last week. Rockfire Grill in
1: Isla Vista recently debuted a new breakfast menu. Check out the video review at DailyNexus.com.
0: Special thanks to our guest, Jorge Mercado, a.k.a. Merck, and to our producer, Emily Kosas. See you next time.